Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to For the Record episode number 58. It is nice to be back. I know the episodes have been a little bit sporadic, um, and I do apologize for that. We're finally back on schedule, and we have enough episodes to actually start posting again Wednesday through Friday. It just took a little bit of time due to um, some recording stuff that we had going on, but um, uh, it has been an insane week. Um, or actually, not just an insane week. An insane past like three weeks have been madness and... Um, I just, I can't believe how many emotions I've experienced in one sitting, um, over the period of these few weeks, um, but honestly, I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't trade for anything, um, I've learned more about myself and about what I love and what I want to do than I probably ever have, and I can't be, I, I couldn't be more grateful, um, for everything that's been going on and for the support the podcast the uh site itself all all this other stuff has been getting in it's it's been mind-blowing and um just thank you so much to everyone who's been showing such a great deal of support anyway this next episode i (laughs) i can't fucking believe i get to post this i'm super excited um this episode was with uh ray toro and uh, Ray used to be the lead guitarist in a little band called My Chemical Romance. I, I'm sure if you, unless you're living under a rock, I'm sure you've heard of them before. And if not, seriously, um, fix that and go listen to all of their shit because they were fantastic. And on top of that, Ray has an amazing new solo record coming out of the next couple weeks called Remember the Laughter. And it's, I, he sent it to me before we did this podcast, we did it over the phone, and it was, my god, it, it, it's so good. It's so different from what everybody has been used to hearing, um, My Chemical Romance-wise, um, but man, it's so good. That, that element of theatricality and storytelling is still there, and we talk about it in this episode in the way that, um he went about writing it and all these things and it was just it it was such a good chat he was genuinely the nicest fucking dude ever it was so cool and it's like one of those things where you meet someone you really like or not necessarily meet but talk to them over the phone and someone you really like and you're like oh god i hope that they're really cool and he totally was and it was it, it was so wonderful and ray you are welcome back on anytime if you were listening to this Um, but, uh, we're gonna post all the information about his new solo album in the description of the podcast. You can go and get it. Please pre-order it and support the release of this record. I promise you it'll be worth it. It's, it, it, it's such a fun listen, and it's, it's really, um, it's definitely worth your time. Um, this episode has been sponsored by Audible.com. You like to read, right? But you may not necessarily have the time to do so. Well, Audible.com, uh, company through Amazon, allows you to do something really incredible, which is download audiobooks. So you can digest a full book while in your car or at the gym, on the treadmill, or w- wherever you can go. It's very ideal for people who want to read and really love to commit to a book, but don't necessarily have the time to sit down and pull out a book and read. Um, I wish that all the books that I wanted to read were on audiobooks, but unfortunately that's not the case. Um, but the ones that I have been able to listen to and that I've been able to purchase through Audible have been uh, um, absolutely fantastic. 
Um, perfect example of this is a book um, that was released a few years ago, but the, the example holds up nonetheless. It was a book called The Nerdist Way um, by um, a guy that I admire very much. I very much admire his work, uh, Mr. Chris Hardwick. Um, he wrote this book, this like self-help book for people who um, are more creative-minded and but don't know how to channel that into stuff that is more relatable to uh, the real world, like paying bills and uh, being an adult and all, all that all that shit that's just hard to maintain but he does this amazing job of breaking it down and do it he did such an awesome job of doing it um in this like i think it was probably like a 200 and something page book i may be completely wrong on that but anyway what was awesome about it is that in the audiobook version it's him reading it and giving all the examples and so you hear all the little like little exclamations and things that he puts in the book in all caps and things like that like he'll yell it and he'll exclaim it and it, it, it's super awesome um and so a lot of audiobooks are like that where they'll have the author or they'll have they could cast other people um whether they're famous actors or voice actors whoever the case uh to read stories and really bring a completely new dimension to it so if you would like a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial to give it a uh, test for yourself and see, um, we guarantee you'll love it. Uh, go to audibletrial.com slash shameless promo. That link will also be in the description as well. Um, but again, www.audibletrial.com slash shameless promo. All right, here is episode number 58 with Ray Toro. Enjoy. Oh yeah, so there's one small thing I forgot to add about this um, when I was recording it, and I didn't even realize until after I finished it, um, which is why all the loop music has stopped. I recorded this in my car. I did not get a chance to do the studio. I'm super bummed I didn't get to, um, but at the same time, this was an interview that I really wanted to happen, and I wanted to make sure. The audio wanted is totally fine, and it, uh, the, ta- the I use tape-a-call recorder, um, which I do for all of my print interviews and for if I'm ever transcribing something, and then I use it, um, I use it for that, and then in an emergency situation where my schedule is too insane, there's going to be no chance to do it. I really didn't want to cancel and move it to a day. The thing, things just got crazy. I work at Live One Hundred Five in San Francisco, the radio station, um, the CBS radio station. Um, it was a such a chaotic few days. Uh, we did the Kevin Klein Live Morning Show that morning. I was running on one hour of sleep, and uh, traffic was so bad getting back from San Francisco to Oakland. Um, I just said, fuck it, and I did it in my car. Uh, I'm on the recorder. So my voice sounds like it's over the phone. It doesn't sound like it's through a microphone. Um, Just a heads up, this is not typically the way I do podcasts, but my concern was I didn't really give a shit about me. I wanted to make sure that Ray could be heard, and that was the audio that I truly cared about and wanted to make sure, and it turned out awesome, and that's the important part of this. I And again, to preface this, I always record with a microphone in some kind of a studio setting. Uh, this time I did not get to, but I have, I honestly have no issues with it. I just wanted to give this little preface to explain my recording situation. And kids, if you're listening to this, I would not advise you to ever drive over the Bay Bridge during high traffic doing a podcast running on one hour of sleep and very little caffeine. Um, All right, enjoy.
I'm I'm great, great. Great. Um I uh I had sent a text a few minutes ago. I was kind of stuck in traffic and I was unsure of how I was gonna do this, but I found a way to actually do this oh, cool. uh, do the podcast on my phone. So um yeah, I'm in I've I've been in barrier traffic, which is like horrible. So well, here's a here's a question actually. I mean, is it better for you? Like, I can do it later, like later today, like maybe after, like I don't know, maybe after like three or so. It depends on you if you want to do if you're cool to do it now. But um, like the rest of my days are pretty open, so you know I don't know like the audio audio quality wise, this will work for you, or, or you'd rather be in, at home in your studio. Oh, for sure. Um, well, I've kind of I've kind of learned to roll with the punches and kind of go with things just as they kind of. Come. All right, cool. Yeah, that sounds um, good then. Yeah, I would have loved to, trust me, I would have loved to have done this, but so I work, I essentially, in addition to my own side on the podcast, I run two jobs, and or I have two jobs of my own, and as soon as I finish up my interview um, with you, I'm heading straight into the second one. I've been been up since like 2 uh, a.m. Oh, Jesus, okay. But I I really wanted to talk to you. I sincerely wanted to do this, and I wanted to make sure I would have it. The audio will turn out just fine. My voice will just sound like it's on the phone. Right. Um, so, okay. Uh, okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So, um, first off, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. I was really stoked to hear that you had solo material coming out. I've been um, a big follower of your music since My Chemical Romance, and I was, I was, I was beyond stoked to see that you had some some of your own music coming out. Um, I was really oh, happy about that. that's awesome. No, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely glad you got to uh, got to check it out early. That was that was kind of cool. Like I'm I'm glad I thought of that to send it to you because I didn't know, you know what exact how how exactly you wanted to do it. If you just wanted to talk about uh you know um like prior material or whatever. So it's, it's cool yeah. to get to talk about the record. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I will. Um, I'll definitely start by saying that it was. I mean, it kind of goes to the thing that it was it was vastly different from anything I'd really heard with stuff like in My Chemical Romance and going from seeing stuff like I think I remember it was it was the. It was the like the behind the scenes DVD you guys released, um, the life on the murder scene. You were talking about kind of your influences and how you were very big on Slayer and heavy metal. And then I listened to the record and I was like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's def- yeah, it's definitely um, you know definitely different. Like yeah, like you know on on that DVD, I'm like uh, yeah, I was definitely known as you know the the guy who was like mo- most into metal at that time, like Iron Maiden, Metallica, Megadeth, and yeah. you know, wh- whoever Sabbath and whatnot. Um, but it's you know it's funny like around the same time too, and I feel like I started getting into um, classical guitar because of Randy Rhodes. There's that song um, D that he has on Blizzard of Oz. And it's like classical, it's like a classical guitar piece. So at the time, I didn't really know much about classical guitar, but because of that, I started looking a little bit into, further into like Andres uh, Segovia and like Christopher Parkening and wow. kind of learning from that. And what's cool is a lot of, um, a lot of metal players like, uh, like Marty Friedman, you know, from uh, like he played, he played with Megadeth. Like you can hear classical guitar, like classical in, um, melodies and, and chord progressions in, in their playing. So I kind of started picking up the classical guitar and then I got into um, string arrangements and orchestral stuff. So, you know, it's like a, it's the side of me that like people, I guess, you know, obviously from, from my work in the band really wouldn't know about, um, you know, but it's something that I love to do, and, and I was happy to, to explore that on, on my own material. Absolutely. And I think, well, like, I was really, 
I wasn't sure what to expect when you were going to do original material. Not in the sense that it wasn't going to be like that. It wasn't going to be um, like um, like great material. I was I was totally confident in that. But I wasn't sure like because I knew you as a guitarist and I didn't know if you were going to sing. Um, and I was really happy to hear you sing because years ago, I think it was when the Black Parade is Dead came out. When that because I had ordered it and I, you got you got a couple of those songs beforehand and there was on on the track Dead there was this uh-huh. vocal line that came in when Gerard stopped singing something and I'm like whoa that guy's really good oh fuck that's Ray that's awesome <laughs> totally thrown off by your vocal range and so I was like yes he's actually singing on this this is awesome um, yeah um, when did you essentially I guess when did you come up with the idea that you wanted to create solo material and officially say, I want to put this out now. This is going to be a good time to do it, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to, I'm going to take a step kind of outside of that. I mean, was, was singing something that was ever outside of your comfort zone? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, I, I feel like that was the, the biggest hurdle for me and, like, the thing for, for me to get comfortable with. Um, you know, I'm, I'm extremely comfortable with an instrument in my hands and, you know, obviously, like, more comfortable with the guitar because I've been playing it for so long. Um, but also, you know, I play a little bit of drums, a little bit of piano. Um, and so, like, I, I, feel, I feel it's a lot easier for me to express myself um, uh, musically with an instrument. So that's kind of the thing that's crazy. Like vocals, you like your, your voice is now the instrument and there's so many different subtleties um, in delivery and um, enunciation and pronunciation of certain words, like to make, like to kind of get them to rhyme um, with other words. Like there's so many nuances that I just had no clue about at all. And that, that was like the biggest, um, definitely like the biggest hurdle and struggle. Like there was a lot of times where I do tracks and, you know, kind of listen back and be like, oh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I should be singing. Like maybe I can find someone else to do it. But, you know, my wife kept pushing me. She's like, you, you know, you just have to find, once you find um, uh, the range that you feel comfortable in and just kind of don't think about it, you, you'll do, a, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. So I just kind of followed her advice and like just kept doing it. And, um, you know, talk to like Gerard too. Like I, you know, he's like, uh, that's the cool thing. Like we're, you know, even though the band broke up a bit ago, like we're all in communication, everybody's still friends. And like, we, we send each other the material that we're working on and we gain, you know, get advice from each other. Um, and, and I just basically took all that feedback and said, okay, I, I can do this. So that was like the, definitely like the biggest hurdle for me, um, you know, working on the, on the project. Um, you know, and as far as like when I decided to do it, I, I don't know. I guess it just really just uh, came. Um, it was just really born from my desire to make music. You know, I didn't necessarily set out to the band and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna. I have to release a solo record." It just, it just happened that I, I over the past couple of years, um, have been writing a, a collection of songs that I that I was really proud of and, um, you know, really wanted to share with people. So, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things like stuff just comes out from you and you feel like it needs to be born into the world. And, you know, so you go into the studio and sit for a couple hours or a couple days even, and, you know, you try to try to make as much magic um, happen as you can. Oh, absolutely. And well, that, I mean, that's fantastic. I, I mean, when did the first, when would you say maybe the first kind of blueprints or the first kind of tracks and ideas start to surface for you um, in terms of what we know now is, or what we're going to know is remember the last year? 
Right, right. Um, yeah, I guess really like three, you know, close to like three and a half years ago. And that was, it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting period of, uh, of time in my life because the, the band um, had just, well, actually my son, um, you know, he's now uh, turned, he just turned four. Oh, he, he was, yeah, he, so he was born. And then like a few weeks later, the band broke up. So it was like this strange, you know, like uh, uh, um, dichotomy, right, of like losing something, but also like gaining this incredible thing. So, um, you know, around that period, I was just like, you know, mentally going through a lot. And, you know, I found that expressing myself, um, you know, um, and processing through music really helped me through that. So like the first track on the record, isn't that something is is definitely like connected to that period. and I guess that was like the genesis of it. And, um, you know, over the, over the past, like three, three and a half years or so, um, you know, I've definitely gone through different like, uh, musical phases where like, I'll be on kind of like a certain sound or like working more on piano, um, or string arrangements. And then I'll have a period working on guitar for a few months and like mainly playing guitar. So, it gives a, it's interesting because it gives the album like a lot of um, diversity, I feel. And I, that wouldn't yeah. have happened if I didn't take my time doing it. So it, it was just really definitely like a little by a, a little by little process where then towards the end, I'm like, oh, well, I feel like I have like a full record now. And it's like a full, it's a full complete thought and statement. It, you know, it took me a while, but I also needed that time to um, develop as, uh, you know, as a singer, as a, as a, as a solo songwriter, obviously, like, you know, in, with my chem and my, in any prior work, like I was always writing with other people. So, um, you know, there's a learning curve to that. And, and I feel like I, I took the time I needed to get to, to learn it all and, and, you know, figure out, figure it out to the best of my ability. Oh yeah. And I mean, when you're going from a band that was at the level that my chem is and having performed with other previous projects and doing stuff where you're used to collaborating and then kind of like you were saying there's that weird dichotomy of things that's happening you had a son born and then the band breaks up you're kind of like well what now like yeah absolutely complete new fresh start on how you but it's but at the same time it can be also there can be a weird beauty in it because kind of like you were saying how you would sometimes you'll mess more with piano and then you'll go to guitar and then it makes it's almost like it makes music really – it shows you what's really exciting about music because there's so many different little pieces to it. Right, yeah, that that was definitely, you know, something that was liberating to be separated, some, you know, sometimes from the guitar. I, I, like, there's some songs that, um, you know, on the record that barely have any guitar at all. Um, yeah. And what's cool about that actually is – when I, when the guitar comes in or when I, you know, when I did decide like, um, okay, that this guitar part needs to be there. I felt like it was like more, everything was more impactful. I tried to do things, um, at least with the guitar, I tried to use it more sparingly in a weird way, like more as a kind of tucked back, um, piece of the, of the entire atmosphere, um, of the songs. And, um, I, you know, I felt that that was really exciting. Um, you know, and I got to, uh, got to develop ideas that I wouldn't have gone gotten to be able to before. Um, you know, that's the that that's one of the the great things about working um, working as a alone as a solo artist. Like you get to explore um, different sides of your musical personality and your different influences, and and you know, hopefully people get to hear that on the on the record. Absolutely, and 
I found it super. I found it super interesting uh, when listening to that record because there was a bunch of songs. I mean, there's there's a number of songs where they all have a lot of variety to them, and they're all they all kind of represent a different. I almost want to say a different kind of story. And then in between a lot of those songs, you have those little sound clips that maybe go for ten to sometimes like thirty seconds. I was curious to know. Right. What, I was curious to know what those represented for the album as a whole, or and maybe what it meant to you as a songwriter. What what part that that played in your process? Right. The um. So the the interstitials. I felt like um, once I once I had the collection of songs together, and I really took a step back and realized, okay, so these are, you know, all of these songs sort of represent um, a different period in my life over the past three and a half years. Um, you know, and some of them, you know, like the last track, um, Remember the Laughter, it was one of the earlier tracks written, but that it was maybe a few months after um, I had my son, and I started thinking about my mortality and, and you know, what, what do I want to leave with my son when I pass on? And so that's like the genesis of that song, and, and I feel like that was kind of, that was sort of the running theme throughout the album, like what, what do I want to tell my kid about the world, um, you know, about life and, and my experiences in life, what I've, what I've learned and what, what my parents taught me. So there was all these sort of, um, you know, uh, ideas of like, uh, or themes of, you know, uh, generations passing and this kind of passing of the torch, passing of knowledge. And, um, you know, so I, I, once I had this collection of songs together and, and sort of the, the, the main theme of the record, I felt like I needed some narrative pieces or like um, sort of like placeholder, uh, not placeholders, but um, kind of like callbacks to certain memories that this character yeah. Um, may ha- may have had while listening while while listening to the song. So, you know, the the, the basic idea is sort of um, you know this this older older man goes back to his childhood home and he hears a familiar me- melody coming from the attic. Um, he goes up into the attic and finds this memory box, and inside the box are all these items from his life and his parents' life. Um, that kind of trigger these memories. And so the songs are connected to these items in the box and also his memories. And I feel like, uh, like say like wedding day, it's, you know, remembering like a really important day in his life. And then also father's day, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a memory of how he spent one of his father's days, one of his father's days with his son. Um, and then the last track, um, uh, you know, before remember the laughter, there it's called waiting room, and there's you know basically an interstitial that's placing the 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 son who's now at the house and he's remembering where he was when his dad passed away, and so there's you know I felt like it was important to put these little narrative pieces. You know, the the album isn't a very hard concept album. It's nothing like the wall where it's definitely every you know almost uh, where every song um, is is really telling really part of the bigger whole like that's I feel like sometimes you can get um boxed in a little bit like with what songs you can write if you do that because ultimately I like my main focus was writing tight songs you know and a, a song that no matter what context it was you can play any song or at least is what I was going for um you know you can play any song and it feels good in that moment I didn't want like you know uh, tracks just to tell a story in a sense um, but I but I did feel it was important to link it all and, and have a running thread throughout that. So that's what the interstitials are for. 
That's that's incredible. I I mean I had picked up on the idea of a story, but I never would have. I never would have picked up on that if it wasn't explained. So I think I think it was awesome, and I think it's yeah, I, yeah. I think it's cool just the theatricality from a band like like My Chem still carries over and still works into that because that was something that I always loved about you guys and the way that it was. You got a show and you got a story and you got this. You right. Felt like you were really part of something, and I got that with this album. So I thought that was yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, I I think it's super. Um, you know, was always important to to us in the band like. Uh, to put albums out as a complete body of work and complete thought. Um, you know, like Re- Revenge, I think, sort of got there, but I think that, you know, sort of, we, we had a we had a little bit of a, a story, at least internally. I don't know if that was necessarily came across on the record, but Black Parade, for sure. Um, you know, we always like to have yeah. a little bit more than just, you know, 10 to 12 songs on a record. Um, you know, and that definitely carries over. That's kind of just been born in me. Those are the records that I that I like to listen to. Not not necessarily all the time, but at least that's the music I like to make. I like to I like to to create like a body of work that you can put out and and feel like you know the listener can feel like they get lost in a world a little bit. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm I'm excited too when the record comes out and and um, I'll probably you know I had an idea for uh, like maybe for a special edition to kind of collect. Um, photos of these items that were in the box when you I, I, I should have sent it to you actually because it, it kind of all links up but the uh, the album artwork you know kind of has a, a picture of this memory box and you know it adds to the story you know and I, I always like something where like a kid can pick up and they can you know kind of dive in and look closely I don't know maybe get a magnifying glass and look at the picture and see if they can find figure out like what item in the box connects to which song um, you know, and then on the website, um, there's a lot of photography that I did that I felt connected to each of the songs as well. So you can find that on the website. So I, I as much as I could, um, you know, with with uh, with the tools that I had, I, I tried to really, you know, create a little bit of a, uh, like you said, like a world that that uh, kids could get them, themselves lost into. Yeah. So is that where? Because I noticed that there was one of the things that really stuck out to me. Because I do music photography as well, so I was really drawn into the fact that you had all these photos and all these visuals that were going along with it. And I was, and it was helping with that story. But um, I noticed that there was a carousel on, um, I believe it was looking through, I believe it was on the back cover of the album. Right. Yeah. What does that represent? Because I feel like with you telling me about how it's kind of a kid looking into something and looking at this story, is that it's kind of a, I, to me, it seems like it's kind of a symbol for innocence because that's what a, a carousel is something that I think of that I would go on as a kid. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, you know, I, I think it's a symbol of innocence. It's a symbol of, um, you know, childhood. And also I love the idea, um, you know, and this is kind of like one of the themes, sort of like the generational aspect of families and the fact, you know, it's a carousel that goes round and round. Um, you know, so there's that aspect to it. Um, it's it's a very, very classic image. And, and, and it's actually kind of funny, like around when my son was born, my uh, my house is like a like an, a super old house, like a nineteen nineteen twenties craftsman style house. So so all the furniture in the house is like um, antiques from like the the late early late eighteen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds and stuff. So I love going to antique shops and picking up you know little little things here and there. And when my son was born, one of the things that I found was this carousel. 
it wasn't a complete carousel, but it's actually the, the last photo that you see. Uh, you know, I, I know it's, people are listening, but on the website, if you look up the, the lyrics for Remember the Laughter, it's the last photo on, on the main page. That's a picture of the horse, and it's attached to this uh, attached to this bass that makes the melody that you hear playing on the record every once in a while as kind of like the callback to your childhood or to this to the to the person's childhood and the person's memories um you know so it's i just love the idea of the horse and it's super weird like if i really like kind of step back and look around my house i have a lot of like carousel sort of horses or like uh, uh riding horses that are that are in the house that my kid likes to ride so um, yeah, it, it was definitely connected to my family and, and, and to the record as a whole. That's incredible. And, I mean, it sounds like – and I, I could I could guess from it when I was listening to it. It sounds like a very personal record, and I think that um, – I, I just – I'm excited. I, I'm just someone who genuinely loves music, and I love when people really like to be – they really like to go, this is who I am. And as much as I love, like, the big, booming theatricality and stuff, I like when there's that that personal – um, that personal touch to it and that sense that you can kind of sense someone's story and their identity. So I think that's fantastic. And I'm super, I'm super sure that everybody's going to get to hear this in a couple of weeks. I'm kind of, I'm bummed it's not coming out a little bit earlier because I really want people to I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't, yeah, I can't wait for everybody to check it out. Um, you know, anybody that I played it for is, you know, really great response. And, uh, you know, what, what's cool is like, I, it's, it's been mine and my family's for, you know, for three and a half years. And they've, they've been on the, uh, on the journey with me to cr- help create it. And, um, you know, now once it goes out into the world, it belongs to everybody else. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, let the, let, uh, let the bird fly, you know, like kind of, kind of take its wings and, and see where it goes. And, um, yeah, hope, hopefully people appreciate it. And, and, you know, ultimately I, I want people to get, um, uh, you know, so hopefully something, you know, wh- whether it's a bit of inspiration or, you know, just a little bit of comfort, whatever, whatever it is, you know, I, I hope it, um, I just hope it, it makes people feel good and, and they really, really enjoy it. Awesome. Well, um, we'll bring this to a close. I had two more um, brief questions that so we'll wrap this up. First yeah, off, sure. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you and pick your brain about um, your music. And just, and I think it was, I think it's really cool that you've been um, so open about, like my my chemical romance stuff because I try I try really hard to not like if I'm talking with a songwriter who is in another band that was more notable I try to really focus on the record itself that they're working on and not be like so when you guys did this with your old band, yeah <laughs> yeah I always worry I'm gonna do that so um I think it's awesome that you're open but I did have um one single um, uh, my chemical romance question and that was in regards to living with ghosts um because okay. of how that came up. I was curious to know when the concept for that idea came about because it was a very awesome concept and it was really it was really cool to go back and hear some of the Paramore sessions and to hear kind of that just some of the songs in their truly raw form. But my I guess my question is when did that idea to release Living with Ghosts come into play for you guys? Well, uh, yeah, we definitely wanted to do something special for the 10th anniversary. Um, it, you know, it's it's crazy. It's like in the moment when you're when you're living it, like when that record came out, we knew it meant um, a lot to to people. But after you know, after so many years have gone by, and especially too, even after the band breakup, like it's 
crazy to see how um, how relevant the band still is and how important it is to kids. Like, I mean, kids are listening to my chem that weren't even born when we when we were playing, and it's that just blows my mind. It's it's crazy. So, um, you know, we wanted to do something, um, you know, uh, a little bit special for for the 10th anniversary, and um, we we thought it was important to to share. Um, you know, kind of what what was part of that process, um, you know, and how, uh, you know, how a band develops ideas and, you know, the songs they they sort of discard because there's there's sort of like higher fruit or, or, or more songs that connect to the record um, better, um, you know, and it's sort of like kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit, uh, you know, where for the most part, I feel like we've been, <clears throat> we've been very secretive, you know, especially now too, it's kind of crazy. You know, I feel everybody um, is either like live blogging or I don't know, periscoping or I don't know. It, it's like people just share everything. Right. And I feel like there's a huge amount of mystery about how we made the record, um, you know, and kind of the writing process portion of it and, you know, so that we we felt like you know uh, diehard fans and and new fans too kind of deserve the chance to to see what goes on, what goes on a little bit behind the scenes and in, in a musical sense, not visually so much, but um, you know in a musical sense um, in the writing process for a record like that. Absolutely. Um, well, that th- oh, that's so awesome. I mean, I was I mean I was a huge fan of that record and I still am. But kind of what you were saying about the internet and how people were sharing stuff constantly, like the day that that little that 10-second video clip you guys put up with just the flag and the date, I think it got, like, I think I looked at the video, I shared it on my page, I went into work, and then I checked it, like, an hour later, and it was, like, at 2 million views or something, and I was just like, what the fuck? I wasn't even at my, my <laughs> desk for that long, and it blew up, and I was so, like, it's just crazy how fast people share stuff. Um, yeah. So, it's, I mean... It's just crazy. Like, do you think that if that record had come out, I mean, it's sort of a hypothetical question. If that record had come out today with technology and with the kind of, with the Facebook era of things, do you think it would have been, do you think it would have been received differently or do you think it would have been, it would have achieved the same kind of reception? Uh, That's a good question. You know, honestly, I don't know. Um, You know, I, I feel ultimately, you know, no matter what, you know, at least to me anyway, no matter what time period you release something, like it's going to find the audience that it needs to at that time. Um, you know, as, as far as whether it would have been, you know, bigger or, or, or less well-received, I'm not, I'm, you know, that I can't say, but I feel like the people who needed it, needed that record would find it no matter what. So definitely. Um, yeah, that's, I guess that's how I feel about that. Very nice. Um, okay, well, the last question I have is one that I use to close out every music interview that I do, and I give this preface because it's a very broad question, but I hope I, I, it can always inspire some really cool answers. So the question itself is, what does music mean to you? Uh, to, I mean, to me, it means life. You know, I feel um, I feel rejuvenated when I make music. Um, I feel more myself. Um, I feel like I'm able to process life and, and experience life in different ways because of music. Um, it has allowed me to be able to raise a family, um, own a home, you know, to, to provide for my family. I mean, it's, you know, there's so, so many aspects to it. Um, it's, you know, really means the world to me and I'm 
I, I feel, you know, beyond blessed that I get to do it, that I get to make music. Beautifully said. Um, Ray, it was such a pleasure to speak with you. And I'm, um, I will definitely get this up. This should be going up within the next week. I'm, I have a pretty quick turnaround time with podcasts. And, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll get a review of the album up um, and everything, and we'll get the word out about this. This was it was it was so wonderful to talk to. You. I can't say that enough. But thank you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you uh glad you were you reached out. It was a, it was fun talking to you. Man, thank you so much. I mean, it was you fun. got it. All right, um, I well I will send this over to you when it's all ready to go, and we'll go from there. And congratulations again on the release of Remember the Laughter. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much. Hey, man, you got you got to make sure to get some sleep tonight. You've been up early. <laughs> yeah, I'm. As soon as, as soon as my shift finishes at work, I'm I'm passing out. So I'm. All right, uh, good. So I will definitely get, I will definitely take you up on that. So um. All right. All right. <laughs> take care. All right, you too, man. Take care. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Ray Charo's new record, Remember the Laughter, will be available on November 18, 2016. To pre-order the record and find out more about his music, visit www.raychoro.com. This has been another Shameless Promotion.